Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service for Sunday the 14th of February. Happy Valentine's Day. We begin our service today with a call to worship words of praise taken from the book of Daniel that we've been working our way through recently. The words are, let us praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I wonder, can you guess who spoke those words of praise to God? The psalmist? Daniel himself? Well, actually, the words are spoken by King Nebuchadnezzar. How did the king of Babylon come to the point where he utters such words of praise to Almighty God? Well, we're going to find out a little later in our sermon today from Daniel chapter 4. But first, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, as we worship you this morning, we want to give you your rightful place in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to draw near to you now and to do that. Lord, as we come before you, be enthroned in our hearts and in our midst. Take your place amongst us. Come and enter into the disarray and the busyness, perhaps the loneliness of our lives, and bring your peace and order. Bring your right priorities, bring your grace, healing, renewal, bring the refreshing rain of your spirit to our souls. Lord, we are thirsty for you. Revive the parched and the dead places and bring your new life. Father, we give you thanks for your word that helps us to see clearly for the perspective and the clarity that you bring to our lives through what you have revealed to us in the Bible, but ultimately through your Son. Because in him we see a, a clear reflection of your love and grace towards us. But we confess, Lord, that so often we allow our vision to become clouded, distorted. We don't always read your word. We don't always take it to heart in a way that helps us to see and live by the truths that you have revealed to us. We've allowed ourselves to veer from the path that you call us to follow, often to end up hurt and wounded and weary. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, bring us back. Restore us. Forgive us. Light our way. Help us to walk in your light and in so doing to be a light to others. Take our focus away from ourselves and onto you. Fill us with your love and your grace so that we love selflessly, always seeking the good of those around us, building one another up and spurring each other on until we reach the goal to which you have called us. Lord, come and prepare us now to meet with you. Still our hearts, quieten and focus our minds. Breathe your life into our worship this morning and speak to us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today is taken from Daniel chapter 4, and we're reading verses 1 through to 18. Let us hear the word of God. To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs! How mighty his wonders! His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He's called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant and on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots Bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, 
because the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in you. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. The past number of years have seen something of a revolution in how national leaders communicate with the public through their extensive use of social social media. Nowhere more so, perhaps, than with former President Trump. Going back in history, there was a time when TV was just as new and radical, and before that, radio. But how did leaders communicate with the public before all of those technological advances, in a time before it was it was even common to be able to read? If you've had the opportunity of watching the latest Netflix Western, News of the World, starring Tom Hanks, you'll have maybe been given a glimpse of how it used to be. Set in 1870s Texas, Hanks stars as a man who travels the country publicly reading out the news of the day from all parts of the world. And I'm guessing that King Nebuchadnezzar might have used similar means to get his news out to all the people of his world. Due to his remarkable success as a leader, his empire had expanded to become almost a global phenomenon. And we read in the opening verses of chapter 4 that he decided to address his subjects by the writing of a letter that that would be carried and read throughout his empire in all the towns and cities. And what is it in Daniel 4 that he wants so much to tell his subjects? Well, remarkably, what he wants to share with them is something of his own spiritual experience. Remember, we've seen in the past couple of chapters that God has been working in King Nebuchadnezzar's heart and mind. This proud, arrogant, Gentile king who thought he had everything, who thought he had achieved everything, a king who had inflicted suffering on God's people, God saw fit to reveal to Nebuchadnezzar something of who he, the sovereign God, is. Isn't that amazing? You'll find lots about Nebuchadnezzar in the British Museum in London, but you'll not find much commentary on the inner workings of his heart and his mind, as you do here in the pages of the Bible. Thanks to Daniel, the young Jewish man who God and his sovereignty had placed in the very courts of this king and given to him the king's respect. The news of the world that Nebuchadnezzar wants to share, while it's about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for him. How great, he says, are his wonders. His mighty kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Isn't that remarkable that Nebuchadnezzar would now acknowledge that? His dominion endures from generation to generation, he says. I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar had in his mind the miracles of Daniel's interpretation of his dream in chapter 2 and the miracle of the three young Jewish men surviving the flames unharmed and a fourth person, one like a son of the gods, standing standing with them back in chapter 3. But alongside those wonderful miracles, the king now wishes to disclose to the world another dream that he'd had. It begins in verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. What could possibly go wrong? 
for somebody in that position, you might be thinking. But into his state of contentment and prosperity came the unexpected intrusion of this frightening dream. He looked for somebody to interpret it, but where did he go to? Well, he looked again firstly to his astrologers, the astrologers who weren't able to give him any answers when he'd had that first disturbing dream. It seems that even though Nebuchadnezzar was becoming more mindful of the God of heaven, he still hasn't seen the helpless emptiness of the pagan gods of Babylon. It was only when the astrologers couldn't interpret his dream that he turned once more to Daniel. The dream, the second dream, began with a tree whose height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. That doesn't seem very scary, does it? What made Nebuchadnezzar so frightened by this dream? Well, it doesn't finish there because in this dream a messenger from heaven commands the tree to be cut down and the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze. Not such a nice picture now. And then as the dream goes on it becomes clear that the tree or its stump represents a person. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. Nebuchadnezzar was frightened because not only did he sense that dream was referring to a person, but he knew that this person might just be him. Daniel interpreted the dream. O king, that tree is you. The tree and its branches represent the greatness and dominance of your empire, whose power and influence extends to the ends of the earth. And then the bad news. Daniel says, this is the interpretation, O king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven. You will live like wild animals until seven times passed by for you, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Wow, that should have been a warning to Nebuchadnezzar to humble himself before God, to see that it's heaven, not Babylon, that rules the world, that it's God, not Nebuchadnezzar, who is sovereign and ultimately in control of world affairs. But look at what happens. A year later, he hasn't learned the lesson of that dream. He's walking about on the roof of his royal palace, scanning the great city below with all its true magnificence, all his wonderful achievement, that arrogance and that pride that God had been challenging hasn't gone away. As the king gazes on his achievements, he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence, but by my mighty power 
and for the glory of my majesty. He's not, of course, the last person in the world, in world history, to have that level of pride. And is it not true that something of that pride and that arrogance is demonstrated in every one of us? We may not be Nebuchadnezzar, but we do have our little empires, our lives, that we like to think that we rule over and have control over. The choices and the freedoms that we like to think are rightfully ours, the little worlds that we build for ourselves, shaped around our own preferences, what we want, how we feel. We think, uh, we think what we what we want and what we are is ours. To do what we to do what we like with. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about about idols, contemporary idols. Someone has said that of all the created things that we worship, perhaps the one that we worship the most is ourselves. The shorter catechism says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But for many of us today, our chief end, it seems, is to glorify ourselves and enjoy ourselves forever. That was a fundamental mistake for Nebuchadnezzar. As he looked out proudly over his kingdom, before he had even completed his sentence, a voice came from heaven and said, This is what I have decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had never heard that before. In his world, he was the one, the only one, who made decrees. But this was the voice of the sovereign, eternal God, who certainly had authority to make decrees, and who is now about to humble King Nebuchadnezzar. And so the vision interpreted by Daniel was fulfilled. His royal authority was taken away from him, and he ate grass and lived like a wild animal. The man who considered himself to be Superhuman roamed the countryside like a beast. Just like that, the securities that we put so much trust in are really so fragile. Shockingly so. God humbles Nebuchadnezzar for a fixed period of time. We don't know how long, but that, that little phrase, until seven times pass, is indicative of completion. Seven in the Bible indicated completion. What was complete? Well, until the work that God was seeking to accomplish in Nebuchadnezzar was complete. No shorter, no longer. Nebuchadnezzar had something to learn. And it's repeated three times in this chapter. The message God's been trying again and again and again to drive home to him, so that his relationship with this man, this king, could become stable and fruitful. And here it is, here's the message, here's the lesson, that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Is there a lesson in there for us too at this time? Could the same God be able to humble us, just like he's done to so many before? We need to ask that question because maybe inside it may just be that we too have become a little bit like 
Nebuchadnezzar. Proud and arrogant, self-sufficient. We might not put it quite like that, but maybe we've been living like that, living our lives independently of the God who created us and who sustains us from day to day. Who needs God when you're contented and prosperous, when you've got everything in life? Often it's only when personal tragedy rudely intrudes that we begin to question that view of the universe. That's on an individual level. On a societal level, well, in the last year another intruder has breached our defences. As a society, and is shaking its foundations. We've grown used in the past lot of years to, to living ourselves as, as little lords of our own kingdoms, which we can shape and mould according to consumerist desires and lifestyle choices. That's what's promised by many of the global technology companies. They offer to confer upon us little kingdoms of our own making, where we exercise autocratic rule on what we consume, on what we believe. We've grown to assume a degree of personal autonomy that we were never meant to have. A frenzy of God-forgetfulness and getting and spending that sets us on a very unsteady throne like that of Nebuchadnezzar's. But in the past year, COVID-19 and and the political responses to it has come like an enemy, an intruder that has entered right into our personal palace, hindering our freedoms, toppling our thrones, bursting our consumerist bubble. For how long, we don't know, but it has certainly challenged, if not broken, the lordship that we had over those little private realms. Now, it would be clearly wrong of me to say that COVID-19 is a punishment sent from God and wrong to try to say why it happened because it's brought so much suffering in a way that is completely indiscriminate. But we can, I think, acknowledge that it brings with it an opportunity, an opportunity for our society, for our world, an opportunity to examine ourselves, to take stock Uh, of those other lords that we've had besides God, lords that we've perhaps given unchecked sway to. The good news for Nebuchadnezzar was that he learned the lesson that was there to be learned. The lesson he was now so keen to make the news of the world. At the end of his time of madness or whatever it was, he lifted his eyes to heaven and his sanity was restored. He acknowledges the absolute right of God to rule and to act sovereignly, both in the big events of world history and in the personal details of his individual life. God does what he chooses to do. The message that Nebuchadnezzar leaves to the world and to us, and these are his last words in the book of Daniel, this great figure in history. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right 
and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is a message for us. That we need to see ourselves as we really are. Small, guilty sinners. In the sight of a great and mighty God. That before him we need to humble ourselves. And acknowledge our total need of the Saviour that he has given to us. The Saviour, Jesus Christ, who wants to occupy his rightful place in our lives. All that we have is in him. Everything is shaped by him. He is Lord. He rules. And our true joy and fulfilment in life is only found when he is Lord of our lives. Amen. Let us come before God now with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let us pray. Lord, help us to learn the lessons of the book of Daniel. The lessons learned by King Nebuchadnezzar that he was so keen to share across his empire. The lessons that you, in your mercy and love, want us to learn that we might enter into stable, life-giving, eternal, fruitful relationship with you. Lord, sometimes it feels like we are that stump, cut down to size, but still preserved and protected and loved by you, that we might be changed and might grow back even stronger and more fruitful than before, with roots that go deeper, into your word, drawing upon all the resources of your spirit. Lord, teach us to be humble before you. Teach us to wholly depend on you. We pray, Lord, for Northern Ireland at this time. We pray that you would guide those in positions of influence and authority, those who bear responsibility, Lord, shield them from the temptations of easy speech and party strife. Sustain them with patience and courage and enable them to make hope a possibility that emerging from the COVID crisis, we may seek peace and prosperity and opportunity for all. We pray too for the British and Irish governments and European leaders. Help them, Lord, to find an agreed way through the difficulties of this time around Brexit and movement of trade. Guide us, Lord, whatever form the outcome takes in coming months, lead us to the healing of relationships and to greater mutual respect and trust, which is just as important, if not more important, as easy movement of goods throughout our islands. Lord, grant to all of those who are bereaved faith and courage that they might have the strength to meet the days to come with steadfastness and patience. Not sorrowing as those without hope, but in thankful remembrance of your greatness. 
and in the joyful expectation of eternal life with those that they love. Lord, be with all of those who are anxious, who are weighed down by life's burdens. Come and carry those burdens, we pray. Come and grant your peace of mind and heart. Grant that they might know your love more surely and trust you more deeply. And to realise the presence of your Holy Spirit within to heal and to strengthen and to guide. And Lord, heal those who are sick at this time. Those in hospital, those in care homes. Or those who are at home recovering or waiting for treatment. Lord, we commend them all into your love and care. In your goodness and your mercy, grant them health of body, soundness of mind and peace of heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.